Hey there, folks. So we are going to be breaking from our usual uh, scheduled weekly broadcast to bring you a much more in-depth special. And this is thanks to a number of jobs reports that have recently come out, as well as other macroeconomic data that's causing a bit of a tizzy in the business press about whether or not this recovery has legs. From one perspective, yeah, of course, everything's going fine. EPR has finally creeped up above the threshold that I've set for in previous shows, which was, you know, 58.2% labor utilization. We are now at 58.4 as of the latest July jobs report. So we are technically doing better than we were in the malaise era of post-2008. It's a bar. And we jumped it. (laughs) Yes, yes. We have finally cleared the first bar of recovery. Can we hold on to it? If all else stays equal? Sure, maybe. (laughs) Certainly a higher bar than all the people talking shit on Simone Biles have ever cleared, but, you know, that's not saying much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's not just shit with unemployment starting to sort of creep down in the one measure that is at least somewhat reliable at least Mm -hmm. the one we're sure isn't being actively fudged it's that we've got you know there's various other indicators of things like increased spending gdp is popping up um Sure, there's that nasty inflation thing that we swear is not going to be a problem, according to the Federal Reserve. But mm-hmm. on paper, everything's fine, right? Right? Uh, no bats. No bats. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Come on. If you're listening to this show, you already know that we're like the bear popes of the economy, so... Yeah. (laughs) You know as well as we do that there's a certain level of bullshit going on here. And, you know, it's as we've said before, when the business press is telling you the sky is blue during a crisis, you should probably look out the window because their first real concern when shit is going haywire is to convince people to get out there and spend again and resuscitate the free market fairy by clapping until their hands fall off or something. Yep. But it's like, there's, like I said, there's, um, you know, if all else stays equal, you know, we'll have a recovery and things will be fine. And, you know, in 2024, you'll be able to buy a graphics card for the MSRP. Maybe actually sooner, because China has decided the best way to deal with cryptocurrency is by, like, running a truck over uh, your ant miner. Yeah. Literally. Well, that's how Malaysia handled it. 
but still, they're that, not wrong. <laughs> that is an appropriate response to that bo- bullshit. But that gets yeah. us to what we're going to be covering then as to why we think all the triumphs that are being planned and various articles celebrating the triumphant return of the market are a bit full of shit. And this can sort of be broken down, at least according to us, into four big points. The first one is that the economy as it is currently growing is not growing as fast as the various recovery projections suggested it's not like we're gonna say that it's completely falling off a cliff but it's possible we're not getting enough momentum to get off the proverbial runway here the second problem is of course the delta and now by the sound of it lambda covid variants that just really don't give a shit what Wall Street thinks. No, no, they don't. <laughs> um, there's, you know, our perpetual enemy, supply chains. Which really shouldn't surprise anyone who listens to this show, because we've been going on about this for, like, ever since we started. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a big part, and that's why we've been watching it. And we also have shit just sort of falling apart in the labor market in a lot of big ways. The so-called Great Resignation, which we are totally here for. Which we both st- you could call are like the four prongs of what we have referred to before as our material collapse thesis. Which is a fancy way of saying why we think shit is fucked. And one thing I would like to stress before we really jump in is we are not going to be talking about the stonks or finance or crypto for the rest of this episode. Yeah. To put it briefly, like, a lot of the institutional risk with crypto has already played out with, you know, China basically just torching the entire market. And, you know, right now, you know, the whole mining operation, operations, plural, those have been disrupted. It's just not a good time to be in the crypto space, but also the damage has been relatively contained. Like, the most crypto is probably going to do at this point because it's being contained is be sort of the equivalent of a serious financial bubble going boom. And it would not be the only one at this point. But what we're kind of getting at with that is from what we've seen in the stock market and the big financial houses and everybody else during this crisis is they've been more of what you could call a lagging indicator than a leading one. And what that means to sort of unpack a term that gets thrown around a lot in the business press is a leading indicator is 
anything that you could say, if something happens here, then that means something else is going to happen over there. Like, for example, if you see a spike in airline ticket purchases for the months of June to August, and that spike in airline ticket purchases is bigger than usual, then that would be a leading indicator for that the tourism and travel sectors are going to probably do pretty decently. A lagging indicator is more like the tail that is wagging because the dog's butt is moving, so to speak. So that would be more like when stocks completely crashed and went absolutely shit-faced at the beginning of the COVID crisis. That wasn't because the... Like, stock market was predicting crisis. That was because everything else was a five-alarm fire. And then the stocks went, oh, shit, we can't bullshit our way out of this one. Yeah. Things. I wonder if oil would be a leading or lagging indicator at this point. Kind of both, really. It's because, on one hand... Shit that goes on with fluctuations in oil prices is reacting to what's happening in the economy. And that's part of why OPEC almost killed itself due to the Saudis and the Emirates getting into a pissing match about a month ago. But at the same time, this lagging indicator of people doing shit with their oil production to respond to what's happening in the economy becomes a leading indicator because fluctuations in the price of oil impact the cost of pretty much everything else, either directly or indirectly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if you can get the oil to where it needs to go if there is no oil. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, it's the opposite case, as we'll talk about a little later, but, you know, just throwing it out there. That's basically the gist of what the material collapse thesis is, and that is that we believe the actual fundamentals of what make this economy go are complete dog shit, and there is not very much that the monetary or financial worlds can do to fix these things, because these are things that are problems involving matter and space, and not numbers on a ledger. Yeah. I mean, I would also say that... In a very real way, we never really did recover from, you know, the Great Recession, the Great Financial Crisis. Um, The economy was going to experience a shock at some point because we were throwing all these heroic quantitative easing measures at the economy to make sure it didn't implode. It's just turning out those are not enough. That that also, by the way, is why we are considering the financial markets to be a lagging indicator here. Because as far as we can tell, the only reason they've been able to defy gravity for this long is because the Fed has lent them a jetpack. And is paying for the gas. Pretty much. Pretty much. So let's okay. let's get into the first one, which is all these different projections and predictions for recovery. So early on, when you know Biden was coming into office and 
before J6 happened, you had various institutions like JP Morgan and Del Watt, as well as officials with like the Federal Reserve and other like governmental institutions who drew up their predictions for 2021, as well as what would need to happen for the economy to, as far as they were concerned, reach a point of sustainable recovery. And so far, from everything that's been coming out in places like CNBC, the Wall Street Journal, even fucking Forbes, of all people, is these projections are not being met. Now, it's not like we're talking absolute faceplant situation here, but this is an economy that was already in a very tricky situation. There's an economy that has a lot of debts that have to continue to be paid off because that's the shit that makes this neoliberal world shit show function. So it's kind of necessary to reach a certain maximum velocity as quickly as possible, because if it couldn't, then this whole thing can't keep moving. Like, as much as Trump was a thundering dumbass who is probably the most responsible person, at least in the Americas, for orchestrating this crisis, Boris Johnson certainly gets a medal in that event, too. He was right in a fucked up sort of way when he said this economy is not supposed to shut down this country is not meant to shut down but we shut it down and now we have to open it back up and you know what? he was kind of right in the way that he is unintentionally right by being more gauche than the rest of the oligarchs yeah you personally have to march into the pandemic killing fields and get this economy going so that America can work and the oligarchs get paid. Of course, the rest of them weren't being that gauche about it, but you know. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's essentially what is the problem with these projections then. And, you know, we've got shit like report from the Washington Post uh, as of uh, July 27th, which goes into this and says, while it looks like we might be in a recovery state, things are actually looking a bit volatile and uncertain. And let's remember, this is the Washington Post. This is the paper of record for the National Capitol and Jeff Bezos's personal kazoo. Mm -hmm. If they're willing to publicly entertain the notion that shit is not quite working it's quite possibly because shit's not working at least (laughs) not to the lex luther's satisfaction yes the beltway oligarchs are displeased and they are expressing it in the paper of record they wanted the economy to be, you know, flying, and it's just, you know, sort of going ground effect along the runway. Exactly. And <laughs> there's also a report from CNBC as of August 3rd, which says the recovery, such as is in the European Union, appears to be sputtering out. 
because consumer spending is shrinking and never actually quite hit the level it needed to be at in the first place. And what's really significant with this is because of the way the EU has effectively structured itself and been structured by its core powers, the whole tourism consumer spending thing is kind of what keeps that mess working from an economic perspective. Because if tourism and consumer spending isn't working, then the Mediterranean can't afford to be a captive market for German and French products. And then you have a problem. Yeah. It really, really doesn't help that, you know, the recent flooding just meant they took a whole bunch of else of it. Like, it was it was pretty fucking bad. And, you know, ah, God, it's like, with this stuff, you know, None of this is going to make people suddenly go, yeah, I want to take a vacation. I want to go, you know, I want to go to a big-ass concert. I want to go to a festival. I want to, you know, go outside. I want to go abroad for holiday. I want to, I want to experience the funky beats again. (laughs) Nobody's doing that. Or not enough people are doing that. Well, and Ms. Silver, have you considered it is quite possible that there is, in fact, potentially a Funky Beats shortage. Absolutely. <laughs> there just might not be the Funky Beats to open the clubs mm-hmm. and restart the economy again. Yeah, they were probably shipping them through, you know, the low countries. And, well, you know, the, the truck got, like, dragged into a river, and we don't know where it is. There's a cache of funky beats, you know, somewhere in the low countries. Uh, if you retrieve it, you will make a lot of people very happy and get a lot of money for it. But we don't know where it is. Sorry. <laughs> Honestly, I think the funky beats are probably being held hostage by the gnomes from the Ever Given. That also makes sense. Just plain and simple, they said, fuck it. We tried. Our mutiny failed. We're going to resort to hostage taking. Your funky beats for our freedom. (laughs) Ah, in all seriousness. Yeah. Like, the, um, the economic recovery is like, yeah, of course it's bad. There's there's a few reasons for that. Um, one of the big ones would probably be, you know, COVID and all that. But it's also just, you know, we just went through like a year plus of like everything being fucking horrible. And, you know, you know more people dying in a year than the entire American Civil War, which so far has been the bloodiest conflict in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not it's not that surprising to me that, like, you know, consumer spending is down, that, you know, tourist flows are just not flowing. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. 
and you know, there's also, as of time of recording, approximately seven hundred thousand less people spending money in the United <laughs> States, uh, several million worldwide. Yes, which gets us to COVID, specifically <sighs> Delta and Lambda. Uh, so, as we alluded to earlier, part of the reason that, you know, consumer confidence, both here and abroad, has kind of, you know, fallen off a cliff, it's COVID. It's Delta, it's Lambda, it's all the weird local variants that used up all the other letters. <laughs> like, the fact that these ones are achieving breakthrough infections, which, granted, based on all available data, and I want to stress this for our readers because I don't want to be listeners, whatever, however the fuck you're getting this, I don't want to, like, cause unnecessary panic or anything because from all available data, breakthrough infections are still extremely rare. And so far, the vast majority, like, something like 95% of people who have at least been detected getting Delta are not vaccinated. Yeah. Now, whether this is because the vaccine is really that effective or because people are getting a light case of COVID are assuming it's the flu and are not getting tested. So numbers are off. Who knows? Yeah. Like there are a whole bunch of distortions in how we, you know, calculate that data because we don't comprehensively test across the nation. There's a bunch of reasons why it would take more than this podcast to really get into them, but the teal deer of it is that, like, we are we're not testing. The numbers are only as reliable as the data we're actually collecting, which is, like, you know, people being like, oh shit, I can't taste anything. I, I need to go to the doctor. I need to find out what's what's wrong with me. Or, you know, I took the test. I took the weekly test and, oh fuck, I'm sick. And then you like, get some great ones, like one that was flagged by data analyst Lori Voss, handle is at Seldo on Twitter, who uh, starts their tweet off with, I'm not a professional data analyst, but I am a professional data analyst. Nebraska is lying about how many cases they have, and they posted up a map of COVID incidents. And when you look at that map, oh, wait, Nebraska, except for like two cities, has zero COVID cases. How the fuck did they do that? Probably because they flushed the reports down the toilet. (laughs) or weren't taking them to begin with (laughs) you can't have COVID cases if you don't keep records right waka 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 oh jeez yeah like (laughs) yeah of course if you're not collecting the data then everything is fine like Like, that's probably like you know that's an extreme example but it illustrates the point (laughs) that you know we have a problem in mm-hmm. 
terms of you know the medical system facing a just a new onslaught that is absolutely ravaging whole populations it appears to be more contagious than baseline covid and is absolutely laying waste in states that adamantly opposed the implementation of any kind of serious efforts to restrain the spread of the disease so now yeah we're probably going to be getting back to things like miami emts being instructed to triage people when they show up at the door instead of getting them back to the hospital pretty much things like that um like it's just it's a goddamn mess you know, of course, we haven't fully finished rolling out the vaccine. Um, you know, children are a major transmission vector nowadays because, you know, you get them into schools, you get them into daycare. Like, you know, if you're, if you're an under 12, like, no, unless you're in a clinical trial, nobody is sticking you with a COVID vaccine you're completely vulnerable. And, you know, we still haven't finished the rollout for, like, you know, teenagers and adults. Some of that is because in red areas, they're just not, like, bothering. Like, you know, trying to stick you with fees and other fun bullshit. Like... I don't know, it's, like, the reasons for all of this are pretty complex, but everything seems to be adding up to, like, this is, this is sweeping through large slaves of the nation, you know, people who haven't gotten vaccinated yet, people who are refusing to vaccinate for whatever reason, you know, people who can't be vaccinated, all of this is adding up to, you know, a whole shit ton of people being infected by a high transmissibility variant. And we've got another one on the way, which is apparently even worse. And nothing better summarizes how dire things are getting in many of these places than the fact that you now have red state governors like the governor of arkansas and senators and other like pretty solidly trumpy fuck the mask republicans going please get vaccinated we're begging you please we can't make this gerrymandering shit work if you're dead yeah like (laughs) you know you can't vote for us if you're dead like we can't pull the chicago trick that egregiously damn it yeah like this is massively it's massively fucked and i mean we get into this a bit later this is gonna become a theme but like in the uk for example where, you know, they actually have, like, something resembling a test and trace program, they're, like, 
they basically told like a whole shit ton of delivery drivers to just stay the fuck home because you've been in contact with someone who may have had the virus and well this is causing problems logistically in the UK oh yeah <sighs> it's great fun in a really <laughs> sick morbid you know that kind of way um Jesus fuck I mean this is you know the thing that we were hoping insofar as this podcast is hoping for recovery this is you know one of the things that is going to suppress it which is you know logistics flows not continuing like you know the supply chain has to do its level best to clear out all shortages. You know, that's going to take like a couple of years and we can't do that if, you know, I don't know, the truckers all drop dead or something. Oh, that might be actually be happening. That's a problem. I'm pretty sure that has. Yeah. <laughs> but... And that, and that's also like happening across the rest of supply chains is because oh wait a bunch of people because of COVID and lockdowns and stuff took that shitty advice that pundits and right wing assholes have been peddling for years about don't like working at Burger King get a better job don't like working in a restaurant get a better job well they did or they didn't yeah. like trucking or working in a warehouse or take your pick there's plenty to choose from and got the better job and oh wait yeah. large sectors of the u.s economy turns out depend on having a huge supply of easily bullied intimidated and defrauded workers that are easily replaceable by more easily bullied, intimidated, and defrauded workers, because there's always going to be some other poor schmuck up to their eyeballs in debt and uh, more rent that they can afford who will take your fucking place. Except yeah. not so much anymore. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, I, I kind of just, I laugh because I want to scream and never stop, but, you know, that just fucks with the vibes of the whole podcast, so I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure at some point we'll have, like, a screaming special, but that's not today. And that gets oh. to the supply chain shit. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, we've been building up to... It's all the supply chain's fault. Because of course it fucking is. It always is. If you can't get shit from point A to point B, it doesn't matter how efficiently you produced it, how lean your production system is, or any of this other good shit that neoliberal capitalism likes to talk about. If yeah. your load of new iPhones, or whatever the hell the product in question is, can't get out of uh, Shenzhen province or is backed up in the port of LA and has been sitting on a boat for a month I mm -hmm. don't give a shit how frictionless that shit is on paper that's a whole bucket of gravel in practice yeah like, 
Oh, God. One of the studies was like, the UK spent 20 billion dollars, 20 billion pounds on refreshing their supply of PPE. Because, like, they had to buy it from whatever vendor was available at whatever quantity was available. You know, they were like, literally, at one point, they were literally, you know, going to fetch shops and going, hey, do you do you have any of this? Because we kind of need it. It is worth mentioning a significant chunk of said billions of pounds spent was also because, surprise, surprise, the Eaton Fops running the Tory party decided the best way to handle the bidding was to give it out to their school chums, who, of course, <laughs> massively overcharged and did a graft. Yeah, this isn't just like, oh, well, you know, we put in a $2 billion order with 3M to create a strategic stockpile. Um, this is, no, we, we just bought from whoever, and, you know, supply chain transparency, fuck you. And Nigel said he's good for it. And I knew him yeah. back at Eaton, so he's good for it. Yeah. And just in case, you know, you think, oh, this is the UK, this is applicable. It was worse here. Um, we burned through that entire strategic stockpile. Uh, remember that time the governor of Massachusetts literally pulled a Jar Jar Banks and used the Patriots uh, jet to smuggle in PPE past the feds? Yeah. Or when hospitals in New York had to resort to all kinds of, like, stale beer spy novel skullduggery to get PPE into the country and around customs officials. Because we do! <laughs> we do! Oh my god! We covered it extensively. Like, you know, all the weird, crazy bullshit they had to get, like, a morsel of, you know, a KN95 or KF94 masks because, you know, N95s were not available. Like, all sorts of fun bullshit went down. And, 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 and this isn't like we're digging this up on random Reddit forums or something. Like, the one talking about the, like, James Bond crap to get some masks in for a hospital in New York was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine! One of the most prestigious <laughs> medical publications on the planet! Yes, like, this was huge news back in 2020 because of all the fucking antics that, you know, hospitals had to go through to get supplies when, you know, they were on the outs with Donald Trump and, you know, he was like, he was like, you know, it was really funny. He basically had, like, you know, his little hit squad being like, well, you need to give us something in exchange for you know, getting PPE, you gotta lick our boots. <laughs> Didn't it come out that, like, Jared fucking Kushner was actually plotting with other administration officials for how they could use this to wipe out the blue states or some equally 
evil bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it. it. They were like, oh, you know, this is really only gonna hit democratic areas, so, like, we're not worried about it. And, you know, I mean, for a time that was kind of, sort of the case, but... But yeah, the general mess with supply chains is not just limited to things like PPE, and these, like, examples of Clone Wars cartoon shenanigans popping up in our newspaper headlines. It's shit like the trucking crisis, as reported in the Texarkana Gazette, or it's, which we'll get into more in a bit, or it's things like the Colorado Sun, a local newspaper, or the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. These are like, you know, not big papers, but these are the local papers that talk about how the pig and whistle has reopened after a long shutdown, and everybody's looking forward to getting back at it at the pig and whistle. Um, except, except the pig and whistle is suddenly discovering that everything costs quite a bit more money than they thought it did. Because it costs more money to ship stuff. Because shipping containers are now at an all-time record high of something absurd like $32,000 a pop just to get your shit on a boat from China to, New- to like Los Angeles. And that doesn't even mean that it'll be processed in a timely manner because, you know, the ports are clogged. The fucking ports are clogged. Like, I mean, I don't know what to fucking tell you people. Like, of course the supply chain is going to choke out this recovery. Like, (sighs) it's almost a no-brainer. This was even in, like, supply chain brain, which is one of those, like, many, like, industry trade journal things that we look at to get some inside perspective. Like the, yeah. they're even asking this question at all is like mm, pretty solid indicator that the answer is at the very least a strong maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's like usually if you see something in like mainstream papers where they're like, "Will such and such happen?" It's the answer is usually no. They're just bullshitting you. But the trades, you know, they have to be a little more... Useful? Useful, reliable. Actionable? Mm-hmm. All those, you know, fancy words to say that, like... If they're saying that, you know... Is this a problem? Do you really have to worry about this? The answer may very well be yes! And this is far from the only publication that's showing this. There's also, like, other industry-specific publications, like one that was for, um, a shoe uh, trade publication, if I remember right, for, you know, like, running shoes and stuff. They surveyed Mm -hmm. executives, and uh, something like 52% said their top concern was solving supply chain issues. Not the Great Resignation, not COVID. It was, oh fuck, how are we getting shit from point A to point B? Yeah, in practice, point A to point B to point C to point D, ad nauseum to point B7. 
And, you know, that's when your shoe finally arrives at the retail space. Or the Amazon warehouse, or wherever the fuck it was supposed to go. And, you know, any anytime that flow is stalled, the ultimate realization of the sale of the commodity for more money than you put into it, that doesn't happen. The, uh, you're delaying that eventual transaction. If things go badly enough, it may never happen. Like, the capitalist economy cannot, you know, do these long supply chain things as long as, you know, several links in it are, you know, non-functional. It just doesn't work. It was explicitly designed, in fact, around the assumption that they could do this without threat or fear of disruption. Yeah. Like, this it's like- This neoliberal <laughs> project depends on the assumption that you can put your shit on a boat in China and it will show up at the distribution point in LA. It will be pulled off that boat because the container will be hauled off that boat by a crane and it will be dropped onto a truck and then that truck will drive it to the store. Or it will be dropped on a train that will take it to a train station where it will be then dropped on a truck and drive it to the store. And not a single point in this process will slip. It's sort of like that the thing that came out about the treasury computers that basically, you know, because they're programmed in ancient dialect of COBOL and because nobody ever expected this to fucking happen, the computers will shit themselves if, you know, the U.S. ever defaults. Because the very idea that the U.S. would ever default on its obligations is unthinkable this is the same logic applied to the fucking supply chain shit happens and shit's actively happening incidentally this isn't like a hypothetical (laughs) discussion here this is oh wait shit hath happened it has happened all over your precious frictionless supply chain it has been happening for over a year we've one of our first episodes we talked about, and I'm reaching way back here, a Samsung shutdown of one of their secondary semiconductor lines for DRAM. Yeah, it was DRAM and Flash. And it basically shut down for a minute because, like, a, a substation like shit itself for a minute. And that basically cost them, you know, millions of dollars. They had to clear all the wafers out. Um, Production was disrupted for several days. And they were like, this is going to be a huge problem going forward because, you know, DRAM prices are going to go up like 10% because of this tiny ass disruption. And then COVID hit. Or like for another one that we've brought up before on this podcast quite a few times at this point is from Mm -hmm. fukushima when the fukushima meltdown happened the auto sector worldwide shot a brick and the reason for this is because 
much of the critical parts and components manufacturing for everybody else's assembly plants everywhere else on the planet were located in Japan. And many of those facilities were shut down temporarily because of the Fukushima meltdown. Yeah. The 2011 Thailand floods. Um, there are two companies that made hard drives at that point. Um, 3.5 inch hard drives. Um, I believe it was Western Digital that took the L on this. Um, I think it was some Seagate uh, capacity was hit too, but Basically, hard drive prices doubled overnight. You could not get drives for love or money for, like, a year. I paid, like, $260 for a two-terabyte drive that was worth maybe half that from Toshiba. Because they were the only ones selling anything. And this is what we're getting at when we're talking about these kind of supply chain problems, is this isn't an abstract thing this is where the rubber meets the road in this economic order and this really kind of brings us to the great resignation as it's been called in places like bloomberg and where this intersects with this because we're not just having friction in the frictionless supply chain because of things like shutdowns and quarantines and medically necessary responses to covid19 we're also getting it because again People are leaving those businesses. They're no longer doing that work. As is reported in the Texarkana Gazette, there is a serious shortage of long-haul truckers to the point that American companies are going as far afield as South Africa to find drivers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if we covered this in last segment, the whole, you know, there was no jet fuel uh, being shipped to airports for a while. Oh, that whole mess. Oh, yeah. There's just so much in the way of... There's just not the people there to make these things move. And unless yeah. you are, like, at a place that's been organized by the Teamsters or the Longshoremen, then guess what? You're probably in a very shit situation, like, say, you know, Amazon, um, (laughs) and the moment you actually had a second to go, you know what, I don't have to do this job because it is fucking dangerous and I can get at least some measure of relief funds to sit and not do my shitty job. And people did. So now, even though... There are reports, by the way, of wages creeping up in different places in the service sector. And Amazon, of course, isn't budging because, of course, they're dicks. Why would they? At least as far as we know. (laughs) There hasn't been the great strike wave yet that we've been hoping for on this show. But we are definitely seeing shit slipping. We are seeing orders not being met or delivered in a timely fashion and this is cascading across the economy like ultimately it is human beings in the loop doing labor in exchange for pay that closes all of these you know money commodities money prime loops 
you know, the commodity, money, more commodity cycle, that's also impacted. Like, every single, every single economic flow is ultimately dependent on labor. And without it, if there's just not a driver available, like, who's going to do it? You know, you can't just grab, like, some rando off the street and, you know, have them drive, you know, a multi-ton truck. Um, And that's especially a problem with tankers, as we've talked about before. Like, Shit's slipping. And it's because the... Even though wages have not crept up, and there's actually even reports in some places of companies stepping up convict leasing, which is a nice way of saying 21st century slavery, to fill the gaps. Like, this really shows the depths of how serious, even though a former Obama chief economist for the Labor Department has said, oh, the new jobs numbers say this isn't dangerous or damaging at all, while Barron's is sitting in the corner going, speak for your fucking self. What crack are you on, lady? Um... <laughs> like, this is what's coming out of this shit, and what's happening with this is because we're not seeing any serious bumps in wages, which usually happen in these situations, people are just bailing out from those jobs completely. Like, you've probably seen shit like Burger King's in Nebraska and other, like, rando fast food places or restaurants just straight up shutting down because the people working there were like, yeah, fuck it. We're not doing this anymore. We quit. Fuck you. That's not just happening at your local fast food place. That's now closing at 7 o'clock instead of 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like what they, <laughs> I don't know what these people fucking expect. Like, like somebody has to do these jobs, but they're not willing to pay for it. Like we're kind of almost getting something of a slow motion general strike going here, really. <laughs> like it's not organized, it's not unionized, but people are. Mm-hmm saying, you know what, I'll take the unemployment to not be shat on by Karen and Kyle today, or screamed at while I sneak off to my piss bottle by my shitty little supervisor, or uh, like snapping myself out of highway hypnosis as I reach for the pills that are going to keep me awake and hope that this time they don't give me an infarction. And it's like, you know, that's, and then, you know, that person's got to worry about, you know, pissing hot because the industry has cracked down on this. And that's part of why we have a fucking shortage of drivers. Because let's face it, if you're driving a truck for 14 hours a day, you need a little more than like what a monster energy drink can give you. Especially when you've got numbers to reach, you've got some prick on the other end who is absolutely unforgiving about the whole thing, and they probably have some stupid tattler or something in there, and of course they're not paying enough money to sustain an infrastructure that is less shambolically 
fuck off awful. Yeah, and it's like, if you're an owner-operator, you know. Which a lot of these people are as a way of not paying them benefits and getting around labor laws. (laughs) Yep. Like, you know, half the time it's either your owner-operator, so you've got to pay, you know, upkeep on the truck, you know, you fucking live in the thing most of the time, and, you know, every day you gotta drive, like, 12, 14 fucking hours, and, you know, you're half trying to, like, get the police on your ass so they can order you to go the fuck to sleep so that, you know, Central Command will shut the fuck up. And this kind of because... bullshit is so normal across the U.S. economy that it really shouldn't be shocking anyone. Yeah, this was... This is what it was like before the fucking pandemic, okay? Like, things have not gotten better. I assure you, they have not gotten better in the sector. Hell no. I mean, there's a reason why there was a shortage of truckers in 2019. It's just made worse by the fact that, like, you know, you can't, you can barely even, like, get out of your truck unless you, you know, catch the Rona. And, you know, you're sleeping away for, like, 14 hours a day. And when you do finally return home, you're not allowed to do anything because, you know, fucking COVID. And, like, yeah, of course, these restrictions exist for a reason, but let's let's be honest here like would you want to work that why not just like sell off your fucking truck to some uh to some you know fresh-eyed kid with you know a little bit of daddy's money and a cdl like why not just sell or better yet retrain into something that doesn't require you to be behind a wheel that long or get a forklift cert or code or whatever the fuck it is that you decided to do to get out of whatever shitty dead-end job you had and particularly reduce your risk of covid exposure so yeah this is all shit that is cascading and coming from very not surprising and predictable things given the circumstances but what it's adding up to is this economy does not have the readily exploitable labor force that it assumes exists to be able to function properly. It certainly does not have the frictionless supply chains there anymore. We've got variants of COVID that are warming up to just hurl a wrecking ball right in the face of this already anemic, insufficient recovery. And even the numbers from the big commanding heights of this system are going, yeah, we might not have enough momentum to get the fuck off the runway. Yeah. Couple that with the fact that, you know, we never really did recover from the Great Recession. Like, we were finally starting to see, like, you know, in in a few years we might, you know, be actually legitimately doing better you know all the asset bubbles will finally be paid off um, and like you know 
the Fed won't have to, like, micromanage quantitative easing to, like, keep everything moving anymore. Like, that was, that was the hope for, like, ten fucking years. And look where we are now. It's certainly not going to happen now. If it hasn't happened yet. Oh, fuck now. Oh, fuck now. (laughs) It's just going to keep getting worse. Because at this point, like, we already can see, for example, that unemployment benefits are probably going to expire because Joe Manchin is a fuckface. I mean, if you want a more technical explanation, Jeff Stein over at the Washington Post probably has a good technical explanation. But I'm going to go with Joe Manchin's a fuckface and Kirsten Sinema is a fucking sellout traitor. You know, because that works as well. Yeah. And that means unemployment extensions are going to be cancelled, which means on one hand it's going to force people back into the plague pits, but on the other hand it's also going to throttle consumer spending, which is one of those things this economy depends on to work. Yeah. Like, we barely had enough direct stimulus with the burning bucks and with, you know, the cash drops to, like, you know, sustain, like, you know, some semblance of economic activity. We were completely flatlined. But. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like. And then we've got what is coming out in the infrastructure bill that it looks like it's mostly going to be tax cuts and tax credits and various shenanigans. And only has maybe actually like $500 billion in actual spending, which is, you know, two-thirds of what the Pentagon gets every year. Nowhere near enough to bring our infrastructure back up to levels that are comparable to luminaries like Mexico. Yeah, and like, you know, that reconciliation bill that's supposedly being floated. That's, like, held hostage to people like Cinema and Mansion and all that. Like... Who are worried about the whole bugbear of, oh my god, if we spend too much money, then inflation will happen. It's like, motherfucker, you kind of have a problem of the real economy has disintegrated, or is rather disintegrating. The Federal Reserve and the other big monetary institutions have all gone, hey guys, we don't have any more rabbits. So it's on you. They've been pretty clear about this for a while now, actually. Yeah. Like, there are no more... There are no more heroic measures. Like, at at some point, you people in Congress are going to have to do something to fix this. Like, this is why they're not talking up inflation, is because they know they can't do anything else. This cannot be solved by monetary measures is going to require shovels digging holes. This will require direct spending on a massive scale. Like, if anything, I don't know, the only thing the Fed could do is, like, fucking encourage inflation or something. Which, you know, as I say it, it sounds like complete nonsense to me, but... It's, like, the only thing that's left as a lever, and I don't know what good it would do. And they're already kind of doing that with 0% 
loans. So <laughs> we're kind of like in that interesting situation of the levers of power are not at all prepared for this. And they have to do shit that goes contrary to the way they've been functioning for the better part of 40 fucking years. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to tell y'all. This is, this is massively fucked. This is basically our material collapse argument here is all these things are so deeply wrong with the way the economy is functioning, and there is so much in terms of just basic fundamentals that are not there, that sooner or later, the Wall Street wizardry is going to run out of oomph. Someone is going to trip on the curtain and reveal that it's all a fucking trick. And then... Or some big financial house is going to run their numbers again and go, oh shit, we're doomed. Yeah. My money's on Wells Fargo. Yeah. Honestly, if there's going to be any banking contagion, Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Yeah. But it's going to be in response to all these trends. And that's going to be the thing that finally pushes us into officially being in the second Great Depression. But that will only happen because the material conditions are so dire that the banking collapse would be signaling the last thing that was functioning normally. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess that's about it. This has been Chop Shop Economics. We read the shit so you don't have to. Good luck out there. Bye, everyone.